When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sitting around my house in Malibu and walking around the beach, I've been doing that for a long time, and frankly, I'm tired of it. That was Rick Danko's quote in 1978 and it could accurately reflect the temperature of a few members of the band as the end of the decade neared. A purgatory of sorts had settled over the group. Following the last waltz in 1976, the band lay dormant. Was it over? Well, not officially. Danko, Helm, and Robertson all talked about it publicly, about recording again, and downplaying that they hadn't been seen in the studio since the last waltz. Levon and Rick had already set in motion their solo careers, Levon with the RCO All-Stars and Danko with his first solo album for Arista Records. Robbie hadn't technically left the world of the band. He'd kept busy with the post-production on The Last Waltz with the film and the album. And Garth Hudson was busy building his new life and doing session work. And Manuel took things slower, struggling with his demons. He sought to fight them. 1977 through 1978 continued their perplexing situation surrounding the band. It was lurking in the background. And Robertson and Danko continued with their heavy schedules throughout the year. Still, the band members did overlap at various points. 1977 found Robbie Robertson back in the studio as a producer, having worked on Jesse Winchester's debut album in the early 70s, and Hearth Martinez, a figure he found himself fascinated with and working closely with his friend and new neighbor Neil Diamond on his album Beautiful Noise as well. Robertson was trying to reposition himself as a producer, and a performer. And just before Libby Titus and Levon Helm's relationship disintegrated, Titus was working on her latest album, technically her second release. She had assembled a superstar cast to help her produce her record, including Robbie Robertson, Phil Ramone, Carly Simon, and Paul Simon. While Titus's career had been somewhat uneven, she had worked with various performers, honing her skills as a songwriter, alongside the likes of Carly Simon, Paul Simon, Hearth Martinez. Titus had co-written four tracks on the eventual album. In particular, Robertson produced the fourth track, entitled The Night You Took Me to Barbados in My Dreams, a co-write between her and Martinez. Robertson recruited Garth Hudson to play the keyboards and the synthesizers. The duo had also worked on Hearth Martinez's album and laid a solid foundation. Robertson provides a smooth, easy-listening production feel that began to rear its head on the band's studio album Islands and Diamonds Beautiful Noise.
easy, laid-back nature of the track provided substantial energy for Hudson, whose controlled chaos is always a splendor to listen to. On top of its easy, breezy island flavors, Titus' pristine vocal warbles. And outside of Robertson and Hudson's contributions on The Night You Took Me to Barbados in My Dreams, Robertson lent his hand to producing and his talent behind the sixth string to Miss Otis Regrets, a tune penned by noted American composer Cole Porter. Titus's version is beautiful, slow and serene, with a lush string arrangement and an interesting stereo panic piano. Robertson provides a fantastic piece of guitar work here. What is engaging is that it's vastly different from the previous work that he's been associated with. Robertson was very much used to playing for the song, giving it what it needed and not getting busy or in the way. And his rich single coiled notes penetrated the mix ever so delicately here. And while Titus's third track on the album, Can This Be My Love Affair, didn't have any contributions from members of the band, the co-written tune by Titus and Carly Simon was about her relationship with Levon Helm. The beautifully written song evokes an endearing story that is rather lighthearted. Tinged in country music tradition, the song features excellent harmonica playing, well-organized strings, and a beautiful vocal from Libby. He saw through my nightgown, but he didn't see me fall. And I know there's none of this that he can recall. 
Columbia Records released the album in 1977, and it featured a promotional vinyl with an interview with comedian Chevy Chase and a cover photo from Norman Sheaf and a design from band friend Bob Cato. It didn't do much for an audience that left much to be desired, and despite its all-star cast, great production, and engaging numbers, the record didn't do much for audiences or critics alike. It was reported in Record World on September 2nd, 1978, that Rick Danko was back in the studio, putting finishing touches on his second studio album for Arista Records. Reporting included that the sessions included Keith Ellison, Jim Atkinson, and Blondie Chaplin. Danko was set to produce the record himself, with Seb Donahauer on as associate producer. Danko originally headed into the studio with Blondie, Little Feet drummer Richie Hayward, and Dickie Sims, a keyboardist who had played with Clapton and who had also worked with Bonnie Raitt. The sessions netted five tracks, one written by Danko and three by Chaplin, including Cry Another Tear, Cheating Heart, and Don't Make Promises, and a cover of the Four Tops number, which was assumed to be All Turned to Stone. These sessions were later followed by more with Atkinson and Allison, as well as Danko favorites Michael DeTemple and former Wings drummer Denny Sewell joining in on the sessions that produced three tracks, including two Danko-written numbers with DeTemple and a cover of the country standard Crying Heart Blues. And between these sessions, Danko kept a heavy promotional and touring schedule. Now, famously, in September 1976, the last waltz took place on American Thanksgiving, marking the end of the original lineup of the band, the last time they played together on stage. Narratively, this makes a lot of sense, a grand closing to a storied history and a career as a unit. But it's false. The last appearance of the original five members happened on March 1st, 1978, at the Roxy Theater in Los Angeles on a Rick Danko tour stop two years after the last waltz took place. The Roxy was opened in September of 1973 by Elmer Valentine and Lou Adler, with partners including David Geffen, Elliot Roberts, and Peter Asher. Valentine had co-founded three famous nightclubs on the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles, including the Whiskey A Go-Go, Rainbow Bar and Grill, and the Roxy Theater. Adler, the famed producer, had done work with Carole King, The Mamas and the Papas, and had produced films like Robert Altman's Brewster McCloud, and produced films like Robert Altman's Brewster McCloud and a cult classic, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Geffen had marked himself as one of the largest businessmen in music, having worked with the band and Bob Dylan, as we know, and Elliot Roberts had co-founded Asylum Records alongside Geffen and had managed Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. And lastly, Peter Asher, a performer himself, also was a big-time producer, working with James Taylor, Linda Ronstadt, and Bonnie Raitt, amongst others. This group had taken over a building once owned by a gentleman named Chuck Landis, who had previously had the venue as a strip club named Largo. And quickly after opening, the Roxy Theater in West Hollywood was soon the biggest spot in the city. The first performance included Neil Young on a three-date stand, and other acts like Frank Zampa, Bob Marley, and Bruce Springsteen had also performed at the theater. Danko had become somewhat of a regular by this point at the Roxy, beginning to play shows at the establishment in 1977 and occasionally through 1978. After hitting the road and opening for Charlie Daniels Band in California and Arizona, he had a two-show stint at the Roxy plan for March 1st. The show was supposed to be like any other, though given the establishment, 
It was packed with regular folks and a mixture of celebrities. Um, the Los Angeles Times reported that musicians Dr. John Van Morrison, Greg Ullman, Mick Fleetwood, and Alice Cooper were all present. Others reported that attended that evening include famed actor Jack Nicholson, singer Joe Cocker, songwriter Bernie Taupin, actor Buck Henry, singer Michelle Phillips, and actress Ali McGraw, who it was rumored to have been dating Danko during the period. <coughs> Danko, augmented by his regular touring band, including Michael DeTemple, Terry Danko, Jerry Peterson, among others, started the set with a sorrowful rendition of his classic, Sip the Wine. Following, he continued with album cuts like New Mexico, What a Town, and his band classic, This Wheel's on Fire. Now, after the clapping subsided, Danko asked the audience if they wanted to hear stage fright rather coyly. Before the roaring crowd figured out what was going on, he called up Richard Manuel, then jokingly pokes fun at a drunk Levon, who was in the balcony, watching along. He then follows by calling up Garth Hudson and Robbie Robertson, who had just entered the Roxy. As Danko waits for the members to make their way to the stage, the crowd breaks into a euphoric clapping, knowing they are about to witness something special. Deep in the heart of a lonely kid That suffered so much for what he did Where they gave this poor boy his fortune and fame Since that day he ain't been the same See the man with his stage fright Just standing up there to give it all his might He got caught in the spotlight but when we get to the end, well, he wants to start all over I've got fire water right on my breath. And the doctor warned I might catch a death. Well, they said you can make it in your disguise. Just never show the fear that when you're up. See the man with the stage fright. Just standing up there to give it all his 
And while the band hadn't played together for nearly two years, they were still every bit as effective as they once were, not missing a beat. As they concluded stage fright, the crowd was anxious to see if they were about to get into anything more. Denkel milked a moment, poking fun at the crowd and his bandmates, and the sound person for seemingly failing to the pressure of balancing all of the microphones and instruments now that the band was on the stage. As the teasing receded, Richard Manuel broke into The Shape I'm In. Bring up the drums in the house and in the monitors, because Levon's playing later. Come on, you knuckleheads. Funky as ever, Manuel's vocal is strong and full of vigor. The harmony vocals were never lost. Danko and Helm sitting beautifully behind Manuel. Now, typically sitting behind his trusty organ, Garth Hudson actually does wonders here with his accordion, breaking out into numerous solos. And with the conclusion, the band couldn't not play their classic staple, The Wait. However, again, these moments weren't always perfect. The sound person fumbled through the start. And as they began, you can't even hear Levon's vocal. Rick Danko stopped the number. Mic up, you knuckleheads. Hey, Levon, try your mic, man. Try your mic. Try it. Try it. Get Levon's mic up. That vocal mic on top of the drum set, please. And finally, with everything sorted, the band burst into the wait, which would be the final time the original lineup had played their fabled classic. I pulled into Nazareth 
that it would be the final time probably not but the remarkable chance of them all gathering is etched forever in their unique history as a group Not placing much stock in sentimentality, Danko trucked on after his stop at the Roxy Theater. He was already planning on another set of tour dates. Rick had an Arista-sanctioned tour when his first album was released, and it included a well-planned showcase of his talents in the form of a concert series. Now, Danko was going rogue this time. He told Dennis Hunt in November of 1978, I booked the tour myself. I'm going to spend my own money on it. The record company has nothing to do with it now, though I think they'll be involved before it's over. He went on to say he understood why Arista wouldn't be happy. It was between album cycles, he didn't have anything new to promote, and he still wanted to keep busy. Stopping for him would, quote, be, Sitting around at my house in Malibu, walking around the beach, I've been doing that for a long time and frankly I'm tired of it. I want to do something useful, something that will get my adrenaline going and keep it going. He appeared to present an award at the Dick Clark's American Music Awards. Danko Everett character was given a shout-out in Record World, who wasn't overly enthused with the awardees, but gave Danko a shout-out for, quote, being the most genuinely goofy presenter. Rick Danko provided enough weirdness to more than balance out the predictable aspect of much of the rest of the show. Danko was also found throughout the year at various parties and events during the remainder of his touring schedule, rubbing shoulders with bigwigs, including hanging out with Bob Marley at the Daisy Beverly Hills in July of 1978, and being spotted with Bonnie Raitt at the Old Waldorf, San Francisco, in December during his tour stops there. He also partook in an all-star affair on the Dick Clark's Live Wednesday, performing Chuck Berry's Rollover Beethoven, live with Pete Best, former Beatle, Billy Preston, Doug Kershaw, among others. He also did three stops in Japan, playing three dates in Tokyo in 1978. Before coming back stateside, he kept a lot of dates in California, including a date at the Huntington Beach Golden Bear, where he was joined on stage by Levon Helm, who helped Danko through a version of the band's classic, The Wait. 
and as the tour dates wound down, Rick went back to focus on finishing up his second album, when news came that Arista Records had dropped him. In a 1997 interview with Matthew Lewis for Big O Magazine, Danko remembered the whole Arista period. Arista Records was kind of new at the time. I remember the record came out in 78, but the timing of it. It was receiving all this radio play, but Clive didn't have it in the stores till six months after the fact. By that time, I was kind of disillusioned, and I guess I could afford that kind of attitude at the time. I just really got turned off by the whole corporate structure thing, which was kind of a bad attitude on my part now that I think back, but that's behind me now. I obviously don't feel that way now. And as Robbie Robertson continued producing and working on the last waltz, and Rick Danko waded through the latter parts of the 70s, focusing on their respective paths, Levon hadn't stopped either. He found himself on the road once more, with new problems creeping up, which were quickly posing threat to his career and railroading the hard work that he had established himself in as he premiered as a solo act. Garth Hudson now had a place to call home in the mountains of California when Mother Nature opposed a threat on what he was building, and Richard Manuel suffered from his demons, found himself questioning who he was, what kind of musician he wanted to be, and how to chart a path forward after having the band and its foundation pulled out from beneath him. Thank you for listening to The Band of History. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. We're getting into interesting times here. Um, Solar careers, different career paths, every band member, five of them going off and different areas there is crossover though as, as you can see but it then becomes a game of which stories are you going to tell which episode so here we picked rick danko and robbie robertson uh next episode will be levon helm and garth hudson and richard Manuel to a degree so you know hopefully this flowed well i think it did uh, I thought it was really important to talk about the Roxy. I think it's an underrated moment. It actually is the last time that the classic lineup played together, uh, though there would be other opportunities throughout the year that they didn't capitalize on. But, uh, you know, the Roxy, cool venue, historic venue, uh, spontaneously getting everybody up on stage to do a few of the band numbers would have been very, very cool to see. Uh, luckily, we have... The ability to hear what that sounded like so i hope you guys enjoyed that um but yeah this episode was really fun uh, as we wade into the latter part of the 70s and into the 80s uh, if you're interested in following the show online we're active in a lot of places facebook twitter instagram and tiktok at the band podcast you can find us there if you're interested in, if you're interested in supporting the show on patreon you can do that as well going to patreon.com slash the band of history there's different tiers that you can look at uh, including some perks early access to the episodes ad free versions of the episodes uh, additional content in the form of writing and video um, i put a lot of work into the patreon to try to give a little extra and thank you to all the patrons who have supported the show thus far you're helping make it possible so uh, big shout out to you Really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, it was a real fun one to do, and we will catch you at the next one.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 